Hello, and welcome to episode 229 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with John and James Coates, creator of Dino Beast, issue three coming to Kickstarter soon. This is Matt, and I'm joined by Constructing Comics co-host Noah. Hey there. Sean, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us. Could you give us a quick bio about yourself and then the, the elevator pitch for, for Dino Beast? Yeah, first, uh, thanks for uh, having us on. Um, I uh, am the writer of Dino Beast, and uh, then I also handle the uh, coloring duties and uh, dropping the lettering in and uh, that, those sort of uh, little tasks. Um, and uh, this is my first, uh, my first comic um, that I've written. And uh, Dino Beast is basically a uh, sword and sorcery fantasy adventure with dinosaur barbarians. So basically think uh, Conan the Barbarian, but it's dinosaur characters. Sounds very cool. And, and James, how about you? Uh, could you give us a quick uh, bio about yourself? Yeah, so uh, I'm the artist and a cartoonist on the book. Um, I studied at the Joe Kubert School of Cartooning, and then I went out to uh, Art Center College of Design in Pasadena. Um, so this is like my first long form graphic novel. Um, and then I've done some uh, small pinups for some other books here or there, uh, some other indie titles, some friends work and stuff. Um, yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. So I guess this is a question for both of you. Um, wh where did the origin of the idea for Diano Beasts come from? I know in the back of issue two, you said that it largely it was inspired by your childhoods, but I'm wondering about like just sort of specifics. Was that just a, was it a book that you guys had always wanted to do or yeah, where did the idea come from? Yeah, the, the genesis, it, like from our childhoods is really all the, like the cartoons and action figures of that sort of mid late eighties timeframe. And uh, you know, dinosaurs were just huge when we were kids and you always had like dino saucers and dino riders and then all kinds of various little things rolling around. And then we, uh, had in we had independent comics growing up was a uh, sort of our first comics stuff was like Usagi Ojimbo like the early fanographic stuff mm -hmm. and uh, the ElfQuest reprints that Marvel did and we had early Ninja Turtles books and so you know that was all sort of our first comics exposure at the same time as um, you know just watching those cartoons and things and so when we finally got around to talking about making comics it just kind of like like Dino Beast was the first idea we had. It just like came naturally. It was just instantly like, oh, let's do, let's do something like this. Well, let's do dinosaur guys. Let's do this kind of thing. And, um, and it's, and it's been really fun because it's sort of one of the books, it's like an idea that we would have loved to have read mm. all our lives, but like, you know, the, no one was making it. So then we're like, oh, well, well let's just make it ourselves. Yeah, I definitely get that from the book. It definitely feels like just something that you would want to, again, it's very unique, but it does definitely has that sense of fun and nostalgia. Like you said, like just sort of, it's the perfect mismatch, mix, mixed match of all the elements that you're talking about. Um, and James, and uh, when you were approaching the designs for the characters, were you, were you looking at a lot of like those old cartoons and things or, or what were your inspirations for like the design of the world and, and the characters that inhabit Dino Beasts? Well, uh, I briefly kind of went back and looked at, at some things like uh, 
uh, 80s properties we liked as kids and, you know, He-Man and stuff. But a lot of the design is also kind of finding, I'm trying to find the balance between uh, some of the more, the comics I like, some of the indie titles and things. Some, uh, the Ninja Turtles were, you know, it was a lot more raw, those original comics, the way they drew them and stuff. So like I approached it as I, I want it to feel sort of like one of those 80s properties, cartoons, but have a little bit more energy and, uh, and um, approach it from like an indie comics standpoint. So that's kind of the balance I tried to, to blend together when I started like creating the characters or like figuring out how to design the world, like what will work best in, in the storytelling mode of comics. That's awesome. I was getting kind of a Paul Pope feel from the the, the artwork. Yeah. Not like you were like it, like it felt very inspired by the energy of some of like his books. Um, so I definitely get that indie that indie feel. But it's like it's very like clear storytelling, uh, which I really like. Yeah, yeah. Paul Pope's one of my big heroes. Uh, a lot of those the guys who came up who are kind of do it all themselves, and especially the guys who brush ink. So Paul Pope, Jeff Smith, uh, Bill Watterson is a yeah. huge influence on my work. So a lot of those guys are the, the guys who I've always kind of looked at. Uh, Doug Wildey is like an old school guy who used to do all his own stuff. He created Johnny Quest. So he's a big influence on my thing, uh, on what I kind of do, um, especially and Pope, the energy Pope is able to bring to comics, like not a lot of people do and and not a lot of people seem to to go in that route anymore. I don't know. Yeah. So, uh, but that's always stuff that kind of really always drew me to uh, comics. Yeah. Not a lot of people go into it. I guess it's just because I think it's like, uh, like people like Trad Moore and Paul Pope, you know, like when they're yeah. doing like brush stuff, it's so like, I don't know, like it's like, it's like a next level difficulty. So I've read like, I have mad respect for your artwork, like using it, like doing brushes. Are you all traditional? Like yeah, with that yeah. art? Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, pencil it all with blue pencil. So that way I don't have to erase. And then uh, just brushing all with a number one. Man, so that's I, awesome. I listened to an interview one time with uh, Jeff Smith. And he talked about how like the number one brush is what he uses for most stuff. And then uh, Pope mentioned it briefly in one of his like old interviews that I dug up somewhere. So that's kind of what I always stuck with. And I was like, okay, well, if, if it's good enough for these guys, then yeah. <laughs> then I should, you know, stick with it until I can finally get it to do what I want it to do. So that's awesome. Did you I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sort of hogging all the questions here, I guess. But um, the uh, did you like learn how to ink and like pick that up at the Kubert school or, or or was that something that after after that that you sort of picked it up? So uh, so I did I only did one year at the Kubert school before I transferred. So, but in that first year, uh, I had Kim DeMolder, who inked a lot of Swamp Thing and some old DC properties. So he was, he was big on uh, showing us the brush at first. So I, I started with it there, but I had some like uh, life drawing classes that were also ink drawing classes when I was out at Art Center. So you were, you were literally looking at a live model, but inking with a brush or a nib. So I... I feel like that's where I really gained a lot of confidence in it because it was so hard to do like an immediate drawing. Like you couldn't just sit there and, and try to figure out, okay, maybe the line goes here. It was, Hey, get the line down, 
and move on because the model's going to move her pose in you know five minutes. So I, I picked up a lot of it out there at Art Center. I feel like. Yeah, that makes sense too. Looking at your artwork because a lot of it is sort of you have like great like vistas of like you know nature and and forests and things like that. But it is it does seem like the art really feels like it really comes alive in the figures and how they're posed and things. And there's that great sort of, it, it seems like you have a very, the, the, the sort of background and figure drawing sort of comes out and how the characters are posed. Um, so that's cool. Yeah, thanks. So I like Noah read that sort of dedication or sort of review that you guys do um, at, the, at the end of episode, or at the end of issue two, where, uh, and I, if I'm remembering correctly, it says you guys are twin brothers, is that correct? and uh james you have a little bit of more it's I, I don't know if it's the case but it seems like from your bio you have a little bit of more formal training um in in comics with the cubert school and, and some of the other studying that you do um so i'm assuming you work with maybe some other artists or saw some scripts um but i guess maybe my question boils down to you guys being twin brothers have you been able to develop some side uh sort of shorthand to sort of work differently than you would if you work with somebody that you obviously didn't grow up with uh, all your life that is an excellent question um i think i think we do have a shorthand in a sense that like when one of us will have an idea um about approaching like a scene that we're working on or something, it, it usually seems like the other one of us is just in the same line, like we were thinking the same thing and then just one of us said it first. Um, and probably that's, I, I would assume just due to, because we grew up together and like we've always been interested in the same stuff and the same creators and same books and things. So I guess, I guess in that way, we, we have a, a shorthand and our working relationship has been pretty good. It's pretty, pretty seamless, pretty fast. We work pretty quickly um, with what time we have. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think because maybe we know each other so well that um, uh, I don't know if I could get away with more stuff that like we have a full script, but it's also not, it's more of a full dialogue script. And then we talk about what's actually happening in the scenes. And then I can go off and go, okay, well, you know, these, these are the important beats. So I need to have, you know, these characters reacting a certain way for emotion. And then other than that, like, it's, it's pretty much, okay, you know, draw what you want and, uh, and go from there. So John, um, when you guys made a decision to, to, to write comics and, and you take the role as, as the writer, did you have any sort of creative writing background? Um, and then I guess uh, to go on with that, you make the decision you're going to write a comic. Um, do you get any like how-to books or you go to, to books that you like and you try to like reverse engineer them to, to figure out how you, you want to do it? Because you mentioned it's, it's full script. Yeah. Um, no, I haven't had any uh, like creative writing um, training or anything. All my like uh, college studies were in like fine art and art history and stuff like that. Um, and uh, I've always just found just sort of reading and like paying really close attention to something that, you, that I really enjoy or respect that's written and just, just paying attention to, well, how are they writing this? Um, how are they breaking something down? Um, that kind of thing and then just just going from there and then just sort of writing something up and just just going over it you know and over it and over it until it 
sounds right to me. And then just sort of, I guess, trusting my own instinct um, on that it makes sense and I'm not forgetting something and the characters will come through. Yeah. And just going and then just going from there. And I've always played around with having little ideas, but then when we decided to actually do Dino Beast, then it was like having to figure out like, well, okay, here, here's little bits and ideas and stuff like, well, how do, how do I pull that together to make a cohesive narrative that, you know, someone's going to read and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Cause one of the really cool things about Dino Beasts is that you, you sort of have this like, opening crawl which isn't how it is i guess like prologue like of text at the beginning of the first issue but you don't like you do what star wars does with the open which i really like and then you sort of build the world as the story goes on i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and and how you how like you know what came first the, the the story or the world building in this it all kind of came around, it kind of came together because, I mean, we were, we were putting the basics of the story together. And then I just started thinking about, about the bigger world itself. Cause I like to read stories that have, where you can tell that there's some thought put into it and there's some meat there and they'll drop in ideas. Um, and that, you know, they don't have to explore them fully, but they drop in enough of an idea that it gets you just thinking I always find that more interesting and more engaging as a reader. And so um, we start, I started thinking about sort of the world itself as possibly acting as like an antagonist. And um, that's where kind of that opening, that opening setting page kind of came from is sort of like, okay, this is a, a new, a new world that no one's ever read before. Um, so how can I explain sort of like the cosmology or mythology and sort of the natural world itself all wrapped in one to, to create the setting where it's going to take place. And then, and then we'll, we might reference it, you know, here or there. Um, and, uh, and it just kind of came about like that pretty naturally. And then, you know, I was reading a lot of, um, just science books, you know, evolution books and things like that. Um, and just then just thinking like, well, okay, these, if they, if some of these guys are sort of humanoid, well, like, you know, how did they get that way? You know, how did they evolve? Um, why are these certain characters look more like a dinosaur? Why do some of them not like, does it matter? How, how are they interacting with the world? Um, so I could have some idea of what they might be thinking when our characters would come across them. Very cool. That is so, cool. So I, I guess I would have a question about uh, work process. Um, and I don't know if maybe it's evolved over time, but um, maybe when you guys started, was there, uh, you know, James, you were handing over thumbnails and, and pencils and then um, after a while, it was just sort of the, the art was turned over to you. Cause I'm thinking again, you know, you guys being twins, um, and, and so close, um, you know, if, if I was to do a project, you know, if I hired an artist, there would be this process of, you know, me getting thumbnails, approving and going, yeah, you, you got the, the concept here, seeing pencils, then seeing inks. Um, 
was it similar to that or were was James were you just able to sort of go on your own and and, and you know turn over a final page uh yeah I've, I've been a little bit lucky in that regards I guess the on the first book maybe oh maybe the first 10 or 15 pages or so like I'd I'd do the pencils and I'd have him look at them and then I'd ink it but pretty pretty early on we realized it was um we were on the same page mm-hmm. so i mean really from 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 then on i basically uh penciled and inked it and then when i'm i'm ready to scan them in i tell him to come down look at the final pages scan it in uh and then he's kind of stuck with it cuz i'm not going to wipe <laughs> it out uh, <laughs> but uh uh but it's also because um I, I've been given a lot of freedom in how I want to lay out the panels also. So like he'll have some ideas like, well, maybe there should be four or five panels on this page uh, or, you know, five pages in this sequence. Um, but then if I'm reading it and going through it and I have an idea for a really cool page or a really cool panel that's going to eat up two thirds of the page, I can kind of do that as long as I can move around the, the text bubbles and it and the story still makes sense. So mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure like I'd get as much freedom like on another book, maybe. Um, so that's kind of. Yeah, and it helps like our our page counts aren't like set in stone or anything, you know, and um, like when I write write the script out, like I will put like panels um, because I just need it to like visualize as I'm writing sort of like, you know, the flow. But then but then James can totally I mean, he can he'll, he'll come back and he'll be like, well, you have it you have it written out as like four pages for this scene but i got some ideas and i want to do it in seven and i'm like okay that's great <laughs> sounds good and um and so yeah we you know we would have sometimes we'll get a few he'll do some thumbnails but then a lot um more recently and stuff like he'll just be like you know it's going to be this many pages or whatever and i just i can tr- trust him that it's going to be awesome and look great. And so I, you know, I don't really worry about it because I know he'll, he'll get across what needs to get across. And I'm all about, you know, getting his ideas on the, on the visuals and in a different perspective from what maybe I was thinking when I wrote it. Um, and it, and it's, uh, yeah, it just, I don't know, it just creates a little better. I think it's a better, better way to work that way, you know, to collaborate like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that too because the book is paced, it's paced really well, but it's also sort of like it's not too slow and it's not too fast. Like it's just that nice amount of things, and then like the scenes are able to breathe really nicely. Like I really loved how it was like after that prologue, you had sort of these like exploration panels of the world. And, and things like that and I was wondering about that if that was something that was like in the script where it's like this many panels is just devoted to just sort of like silent no, not, visuals no, and not things. at all that was not it that was uh <laughs> he just like he had them all done like they were all inked and drawn and then he just like came by and then, you know laid out in like a portfolio so you could see the, the spreads and he's like hey I got this idea like at the beginning why don't we why don't we do this and he's just like had them all done and just laid them out. I'm like, sure, that is fantastic. Let's do that. <laughs> That's great. Because <laughs> I mean, I was, I like a lot of movies, like something like Last of the Mohicans that starts with all this, like this intense scene. And it's just like 
basically backdrop where they're chasing the elk and things. So there's stuff like that in movies. And I, I was always sitting around, you know, in art school and stuff. And you're like, man, how, how could you do that in a comic? You know, so it's, it's just kind of something I wanted to try. Like, I don't know if, you know, I pull it off, you know, but it's something I wanted to try. And then I just kind of did it and he was okay with it. And, you know, I feel like it, it worked well with this story, you know, since we're world building while we're telling the story. I think it worked. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was, I was really digging it. I, I think I was coming from the world of indie comics. Like we, Matt and I talk about this all the time, but like when you're doing indie comics, you don't have to be like uh, stuck in the 24 page, you know, uh, you know, structure of things. Right? right. You can do as many pages as you want. Um, and especially I'm sure when it's the, the two, only the two of you working on it, you're like, you have even more freedom to do that. And I was really like, okay, this is like them using the medium to its maximum potential in this moment. Like I knew that from the beginning and that I really, I really, really love that. And, um, it made it for a unique reading experience where I'm like, and again, it, it kind of reminded me of like Paul Pope's work. Like I read, um, I can't remember what it's called. Like like Adventure Boy, I think is what it's called. Oh, Battling Boy. Battling Boy, I'm sorry. At Battling Boy, I love that book. But that was very similar to that book too, where it's like Paul Pope like devotes a lot of like images to like just exploring the worlds and the characters and things, which I really like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, I, I take uh, a lot of influence from some of his influences. So a lot of manga and European yeah. artists, especially some of the Italian cartoonists. And they, they seem to have a different flow. You know, you don't have to cram everything in in 20 pages. You can take your time. You can have a bigger page count, bigger panels devoted to just, you know, the world or the character just hanging out in the world. So, you know, that's it's definitely a thing you, you'll see a little bit more in, in guys who come from an indie background or even, you know, more of a fine art background like I did. You know, I didn't, I didn't study comics when I left the Kubert School. I studied fine art, painting and drawing. So, you know, I, I wanted to learn more stuff like that. And then I came back to comics. Nice. Matt, like, I like the way you said it, Noah, like letting the art breathe. And um, yes, I guess we just like appreciate comics as a visual storytelling medium. And, you know, it, it's going to be a visual medium. Well, you got to have let the visuals yeah. do something and like just enjoy them. And, and we just like really enjoy any kind of like, just like really good, like illustration work, like fine line work, um, stuff that's just interesting um, and just like letting it, letting it show on the page. And, and I guess that's why we also like, we print our books at like eight and a half by 11 instead of like a small comic size because we just think most comics should be printed larger than they are anyways. So, yeah. yeah, and, you know, to let the art, art really showcase and stuff. Um, like, it made me mad when, like, Tintin books started getting reprinted as, like, three and one, and they shrunk it down. And then you, like, can't even see them with that fine, with that fine line that, that uh, is in those. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, and since we get to print our own, we can just, like, make it any size we want as long as we can afford to pay for it. Yeah. And I, I is like in the next and sorry, in the opposite direction, I loved, well, this year I was getting into like lone wolf and cub, uh, mm -hmm. like to go off of what James was saying was sort of like the manga influences and that book also just sort of takes its time 
from the beginning, it always took its time getting to where it needed to go. And uh, what I loved about when Dark Horse was reprinting those books, they printed them up. So you get like higher resolution, like um, looks at those inks and things like that, which is just so, uh, yeah. So I, I totally love what you guys are doing then at, printing at eight and a half by 11. Cause I, I think the larger, the better when it comes to, especially appreciating artists who like have such a craft with inking and line work, uh, the bigger, the better for me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess I, I'm going to ask another process question here again. So, so James finishes a page, uh, it's scanned, uh, it goes to you, John, uh, for coloring. Mm -hmm. um, you have a background in, in fine arts, um, but are you col you're coloring these digitally and, and what program are, are you using? Yeah, I'm coloring them uh, digitally with Click Studio Paint, which used to be called like uh, Manga Studio yeah. way back in the day. Um, and uh, it is, it's a nice program because it's designed specifically for like coloring comics. So um, to lay in just sort of your flat colors and stuff is, is really easy and, and moves pretty quick. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's just what I use. I use that. I, use, I have like a tiny little Wacom tablet. It's probably like the smallest one you could, <laughs> you could buy. It's like just big enough for like my hand and has like, you know, a little, uh, little pencil tool that I can uh, draw on it and um, just go right from there. And uh, usually, and I, I, I was, when I was learning to color, I, uh, I read like about all the steps you're supposed, you're supposed to do like blocking flats. And then you go to the, do a copy this layer and then you do this and that and you're coloring. And it just like, just took so much time that anymore I just like I'll just like color I know what color I want something to be so I just do it on the one layer and and then that's it <laughs> <laughs> and do you think that like your background um of you know art history and, and stuff like that looking at a lot you probably you know spent a lot of time looking at photos looking at different uh you know you know, paintings, different, different forms of art. Do you feel like that helped you sort of know like where shadows should fall, where like light sources should, should go, or is um, that's just something that you learned through sort of like trial and error, or maybe a little bit of both? Yeah, I think, I think just from, uh, just from years of just looking at, at art and comics and, and um, just whatever just has always sort of like just looked right, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I don't really worry about like where light source is coming from or anything like that. It just doesn't, um, doesn't seem to be too important for, for the work we're doing, you know, and the story we're telling. So it's more like, well, what, you know, kind of what looks right. It's kind of like if someone's drawing a perspective and doesn't need to really rule out lines, just like make it look believable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he, uh, he kind of had to pick it up on the fly too. Cause originally I was going to do everything. I was also, you know, I was going to color it as well, but then um, because I also have a day job, then it, it became a, a time thing. And I was like, Hey man, uh, <laughs> if we want to get this book out in any sort of uh, reasonable time frame, do you want to, do you want to maybe try to color this bad boy? Uh, so, you know, originally he wasn't going to, it was, he was just going to be the writer and, so I kind of forced him back into the art world a little bit and, and it's worked out great though. So cool. I was going to, did you, do you letter it in, in clip studio too, John? Yeah. Just 
I use that program for, uh, for everything. You know, we picked our fonts and um, just imported them in and just do it all right there. That's awesome. I'm, I'm just starting to use Clip Studio and I mainly use it for lettering at the moment while I'm trying to figure out everything else. Like, what's your best advice with like Clip Studio, do you think, like just for using it and um, working with it? Um, like for like learning how to do certain things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, uh, I just watched a few like basic videos. I just like Googled and like found some stuff on YouTube, just like basics. And the first times when I had any, um, real specific, uh, questions, you know, I would just, just pop on there and there'd be like, someone would have a video, you know, showing you exactly what buttons to push or what setting to use. And then, uh, and then just like, just to go for it. Cause then it was just, you know, I used, I used a little bit of Photoshop um, before and stuff. So I just knew like what some of the little tools were on the side, like, okay, this one's like a pencil. So I can kind of draw and here's the paint, here's the paint bucket. So that's what I'm using to fill some colors. And I just understood, you know, how like the layers um, work and basically yeah, I just always put something on different layers um, so you can always uh, retrace your steps or get rid of something. Um, and uh, yeah, and use the little lighthouse tool that's in there. That That's like the, the key thing. The lighthouse tool. Yeah, okay. it's like, so it's in the layer. Like you set one of your layers with this little lighthouse. Uh-huh. And then that's like your reference layer. So like, so we'll, I'll set up the inks, like as just the black inks as it's, as the reference layer. So then you go to your like colored layer and you just, you can use your paint bucket and just drop in your blocks of color and it references the ink lines from the ink layer. And so oh, it, knows, wow. it knows where to sort of stop their edges as long as they're sort of solid, solid shapes. Mm -hmm. And so it's like super fast that way. Okay. Okay. That, uh, that is something I have not been utilizing. So I definitely will now from here on out. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll notice it now, now that you're thinking lighthouse, like right above yeah. where all your layers are. It's sitting right there. That's awesome. Do you ever get pissed at James for not closing off his lines? Sometimes. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> it'll be or um you know it's like a little trickier if we're doing something that has like grayscale like ink washes or something like that so like that'll take a little bit more oh yeah little, little <laughs> work. Um, so like sometimes that annoys me that's only like if we're like, you know, the middle of the book and like eight more to color and then like you get a page and like oh this is going to take a lot longer to do this one but in, the, but in the end, it all looks good. And so, you know, I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably use more ink wash, except uh, I know it, it annoys him. So <laughs> I kind of <laughs> backed off experimenting on the pages as much. Although, I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of it in the new book, though. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit more of that in this one, at least in the beginning of it. Than you yeah, I was noticing you did like ink washes in the backgrounds of the first two mainly, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's one of those things that I'm trying to play around with more also uh, just when I'm sketching and things like trying to get almost that, uh, I guess, almost like an animation feel mm. where the characters 
are really pop with that black ink line work. And then maybe in the backgrounds, it's almost more, more painterly. Like if I was actually painting it, you know, you'd go colors that recede. So maybe try to do that with the ink wash a little bit. Um, I've actually seen it done not recently, but Doug Wildey in some Johnny Quest comic books he did back in the eighties. He painted them all, but he'd also drop in tones with the grays before he would do like watercolors and acrylics. But then the the characters were always inked with black line, but then he just wouldn't put in the black line work in the backgrounds. And it's a really cool look that I'm, I'm trying to figure out like how I could do it in my way or, you know, I don't really see it done very much. So you know, I'm, I'm not doing a lot of it, but it, it's something I really want to try to play with a little bit more. That's awesome. Yeah. I was wondering about that because I was noticing that like uh, some of the backgrounds like didn't have like fully like outlined a uh, lens around them. So I was wondering about how much you were filling that in with like, yeah, ink washes or how much that was John coloring in backgrounds at some points. Um, like there was like one panel, I think an issue one where there were like leaves in the foregrounds of one panel and there were no, like, there's no, like, inking outlines above them. It's just sort of, like, shapes of color, like, making up the the, the stuff like that. Um, yeah, so I was wondering about, like, yeah, like, how much of that is, like, you know, John improvising with his colors and how much of that was, like, you, yeah, using other mediums. Yeah, that, that splash page um, with all the leaves around uh, Komodo, like, he's coming through the jungle. Yeah. So, yeah, James actually drew the leaves like inked them on like tracing paper right yeah 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 so yeah so for that one I had the idea of uh taking out the black line on everything but him so I I did the the leaves and things on tracing paper and then when I gave them to him I was like once you put these in on a different layer and then just take away the black line after you color it so so I did I did that drawing in layers and then we scanned in each layer and then, you know, as a, as a way to make it easier to color, you could probably like go through and, and digitally erase the black lines, but it seemed quicker just to, to do it on tracing paper overlays and then scan it in that way. Oh, that's the kind of inside baseball stuff I love. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was yeah. great. <laughs> so uh john you mentioned that you you write these full script but then you you letter it um that's sort of the the final step in in the production i'm guessing Mm -hmm. um when you see the the words in the balloons how much does that change the dialogue that you had when you when you were scripting it now that you can see the the images um you know the the characters on in the panel do, do you take that opportunity to sort of change the dialogue or do you find that what you had uh fits or is it just maybe you know sometimes it works out really well and it's just you know we're going with the dialogue we have and then other times it's like oh we're gonna put a little tweak here yeah i tweak it quite a i think i tweak it quite a bit actually like seeing getting to see the the final the final art the final way the story is going to flow you know panel to panel and everything and then sometimes like the way the characters like the characters become so interesting actually getting to see but I'm like, man, I want to maybe add a little something here to, to give this guy a little, a little something extra um, or, or develop him a little bit more because he just looks so cool. Um, and uh, yeah, and, so, and sometimes I'll find I'm like, oh, this is, I'm glad he expanded, expanded this by a page or something because now I've got a little bit more space 
to work with to expand this idea that we were getting across in this specific scene. So I really, uh, yeah, I really definitely take that opportunity to, uh, to go through and sort of and fine tune it and reread it. And um, as I'm dropping everything in and, and just think like, okay, what can I, what can I do here to make this better? Or is it already as good as I want it to be if I'm reading it, you know? And then, and sometimes there's stuff where I'm like, okay, I actually don't need, I don't need this sentence that I wrote, or I can shrink this to two words instead of four words. Um, because, you know, yeah, because it's like, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it comes across visually. And so it's like, I don't need to, I don't need to repeat, repeat this. You can see what's happening. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it would probably drive me nuts if I had to like, hand it off to someone else to like letter because I'm like always ready to like change something at the very last minute. And I like that freedom. Very cool. So we've talked a lot of process here and I want to check in with Noah before we switch gears to sort of Kickstarter. Um, uh, Noah, do you have any more uh, process questions before we, we go to sort of Kickstarter talk? Oh, plenty, but I, I would love to have these guys back on at some point. We can talk more we could talk more process and things like that, but yeah, I'm excited to talk about the Kickstarter. Okay. So you guys are, are launching, um, on, um, Friday, uh, August 13th, 2021. Uh, this is for, for issue three. Is that correct? Yep. Issue three. Awesome. And where the first, uh, did you, did you crowdfund the, the first two, uh, books? Yeah, yeah. So we did both uh, books one and two on Kickstarter. So uh, we successfully kickstarted both those. So uh, it seems like a, a good platform. So we're going to try it again for this one. Nice. And uh, I'm assuming that, you know, if anybody who hasn't been on board on, you know, one or two, um, will be able to, to catch up uh, with either digital or, or, or print copies as sort of like a one through three sort of uh, tier. Yeah, yeah, we definitely have have them digitally, and there will be a you know a catch up tier with with all the physical copies. And these are these are pretty lengthy books, um, you know, in the the eighty to to ninety uh, page range, uh, at least from what I saw in the first two. Are you expecting a a similar page count for for three? So because these are hefty reads, these are not something that you you know you're going to sit down and be able to sort of you know a lot of times I think of like if I pick up a Daredevil comic, you know. I could read that in 20 minutes, you know, it's a lot of, you know, right. jumping, jumping off of a building, you know, a quick sort of, you know, blab here with, with Spider-Man and then off for a fight. And I can get through those in, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, but these are, these are meaty reads here. Yeah. They keep getting longer every time we do a new one. So like the first book is like 80, 86 pages or 80, something like that. And then the second one is 92. And then now the new one is 112. Wow. Nice. And, yeah. And so, you know, in the series, we have it planned for five total um, to finish our story. And um, as we work on the next ones, we'll see if we can do it in five, because like it, it, uh, the story just keeps getting like bigger as we uh, as we work on it. And that's why they keep getting more and more pages. But uh, yeah, 112 pages is uh, book three. And one thing I noticed about issue one had a lot of action. And then like issue two ramped up the action a lot. Is it, is it, are you guys doing that again? Like three, like action will pick up more. Not that I'm like, it'll, like I won't buy it if you don't, but I'm just wondering, like, <laughs> I, you know, but it's like, I'm just wondering. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we, you know, we introduce new villains, and so there's new, new conflicts. So we're always, always sort of looking to add some other kind of like danger, uh, ramp up the tension a little bit more. And uh, we definitely do that, and we, and we try and strike a balance because, you know, if you had a hundred pages that was a hundred pages of just action the whole time, I think you would get a little action fatigue or something. Oh yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of action in it. Cool. Yeah, I liked how you it, it felt like, uh, again, you, you when you brought it up earlier, you said that the, the world itself is an antagonist mm-hmm. and that really informs the action throughout. And I like to, uh, you know, it, it's sort of like the action kind of springs on you because, again, the world is so dangerous. And that's just sort of the exciting part about the book. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward if that's that if that's sort of going to still be the case in issue three. I'm, I'm looking very much forward to that. Yeah, and and in issue three we also get a new uh, a new hero ally, so Komodo won't be uh, quite so alone uh, moving forward. Cool. Do we get more of the? Um, there's there's some backstory fleshed out in one and two. Do we get more of that too, like flashbacks into the history of the um, of of Komodo's people and things? Yes, we do. We we do uh, get into some more of the the hadrodont, uh, which is his species. Um, their sort of uh, deep history and uh, there's some some cool stuff we're going to show off in in book three and uh, yeah very cool so so John you mentioned that you know you guys are envisioning this for for five volumes uh, depending on how things are going so you you know currently sort of the 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 end point in the story um, that that you want to get to or are you do you sort of have like a, like a story Bible, like a, like an overall, like, you know, I need to accomplish these things from, you know, volumes one, two, three, and then in four, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tackle these things. And then five, this is, you know, this is what I'm working to. Do you, do you have that sort of like world Bible document that, that you keep? Yeah. Yeah. We have, we've got, I've got some, uh, a couple of outlines um, with some breakdowns of sort of where the, the whole story is going and um, sort of key key elements that happen along the way, and so we already have sort of an idea of where of, of what we want to get into the next two uh, volumes to uh, complete that and to make to make sure each one is like a, a satisfying read in its mm-hmm. own. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I, I know that you guys aren't, uh, you haven't launched yet, you know, we're, we're roughly about 72, 48 hours away from launch, um, but what kind of Kickstarter runners are you guys? Are you guys uh, uh, able to, to relax or are you guys a uh, refresh the, the page every 30 seconds to see, uh, you know, backer counts and, and funding totals? Uh, I think uh, we're we pretty relaxed about it. Actually, we've been pretty relaxed before. I mean, once we launch the page, uh, I'm gonna sit back and watch like some '80s ninja movies and just relax. So I'm, I'm not really gonna be. Uh, I'll probably maybe maybe at the end of the day or the end of Sunday, I'll I'll get back on and look at it. Um, but uh, we take it pretty relaxed. I mean, we coming. I mean, with an indie mindset, you know, we want it to be backed on Kickstarter. But if it's not, we're going to pay for it ourselves anyhow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's something we want to do and we want to make. So we're going to get it out there any way we can. So, you know, I, I don't look at it as like, oh, oh no, if, if this doesn't get funded, like I'm done. Like I, I'm going to make it regardless. Nice. That's awesome. No, I'm finding out that you and I are the only two sort of uh, 
crazy people that are, are constantly checking. Everybody else seems to be able to run Kickstarters <laughs> and, and relax. And Noah and I are over here freaking out. Every, I don't every think seconds. that we're crazy. I think they're crazy. <laughs> That's what I'm just going to point it out. Like you're insane. How can you not be checking it all the time? Uh, no, I'm joking. Uh, but the, uh, are you guys going to have some, I've been following you guys on Instagram and I was seeing some cool stuff with, um, like figurines and things are, are you guys going to have those as add-ons um for the kickstarter yeah yeah we definitely uh, so we have some little uh keshi style figures of our main guy komodo they're kind of like uh, the muscle figures from the 80s so we definitely have those as some add-ons and some levels because we still have some uh some limited color variants and things so we have those uh, we also have a, a print that's going to be an add-on this time uh, which we haven't done before which we think uh, came out really cool so I think people are going to like that. Awesome. And you also have that really great uh, promotional tool, which is the sculpture you guys just posted of, oh, of yeah. Komodo, which was so badass. That was yeah. the coolest thing I saw on Instagram that day by far. Um, oh. Was that a local artist that did that? No. So I reached out to uh, Ben Plowman. Um, he's a visual effects guy who works out in L.A., um, he was on the uh, Face Off TV show on Sci-Fi, oh. and he was one of my favorite guys on that show because I was a big fan of that show. Um, so I actually reached out to him uh, kind of when the pandemic kind of hit, and I was like, well, hey, you know, I want something special for when we go to conventions yeah. and something cool, you know, and I, I feel like we have a really cool concept. So I reached out to him and I was just like, hey, man, would you want to collaborate? Uh, I got this comic, you know, and I sent him the books and showed him some pictures. And he, he was on right away. He was like, this looks amazing. I definitely want to be a part of this. Let's, you know, let's work this thing out. So from there, it was just kind of like let, let him do his thing and do an interpretation of our character. And, and it came out amazing. I, I can't wait to go to shows and actually have people get to see it and, you know, take photos with it and do whatever. Cause it, it's really something. Yeah, it is. Like I, I will travel to whatever con you're at just so I can look at it in person. Screw you guys. I'm joking. No, I like it. It definitely adds on to it. Um, it it's, it's a, it's a really cool promotional tool. Yeah. Yeah. Came out great. I guess I would also ask as far as like, I, you guys have a unique opportunity here um, with, with, with James being a uh, traditional artist with, you know, drawing on, on a, on a, I'm assuming an 11 by 17 board. Do you guys uh, ever sell any of the, the art pages? Uh, I, we haven't yet. Uh, I, I mean, may, maybe I'll do that at some point. I mean, I, I don't know. Cause I, I kind of look at it as, as some, some people have kept their books together. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Jeff Smith bone and, and Paul Pope and some of those guys still have all their pages. So uh, I'm sure at some point, maybe I would consider it. Um, I'm definitely going to take pages with me to show off, sure. you know, at the shows and stuff like that. And, you know, people want to talk brushes and process. So, you know, people can see kind of what, uh, what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I never say never. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it's not something I'm banking on right now. Like, oh, hey, I got all these pages like I could cash in on them. Yeah. Um, so you guys mentioned it. I um, mean, you know, here in the United States and hopefully, you know, around the rest of the world, we're 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 getting back to normal. And the, and the con scene is, is, is opening up. Uh, mm -hmm. Do you guys have uh, any uh, con plans, you know, late summer in, into the fall as you know, we're seeing some shows uh you know, start, uh, start back up. 
Yeah, we'll be at uh, three shows this year, um, two in November, one in December, actually. So the November ones, we're going to uh, Space in Columbus, which is the small press and alternative comics expo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that one is like the first week in November, I think, um, in Columbus. And then we're going to Air Capital Convention in Wichita the next weekend. Um, and then in December, we're going out to, um, I think it's Comic-Con Revolution in Ontario, California. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that'll be the weekend right before Christmas. Time awesome. To get, time, to, time to get some extra uh, stocking stuffers. Uh, go to the con and, and get, some, get some stuff to, for all those folks you forgot to get gifts for. Yeah, exactly. People who didn't <laughs> buy gifts yet, uh, come on over to our table. We'll have plenty of gifts for you. Nice. Cool. Cool. Uh, awesome, guys. Well, I'm really excited uh, for for this next issue. I've I've hit the uh, the notify me on the on the pre-launch page, which we're going to put in the the show notes. I know that you guys have an IG account, and it looks like you guys have a have a web page for for the comics. Is there anywhere else online people can go to to find you? We're going to link the website and the IG as well in, in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, mostly just dinobeast.com. And then uh, we do have a Facebook page, which I, is just, I think, hashtag Dino Beast. So you can uh, follow us there and see art and stuff um, on there. And then just on Instagram at JD Coats and at JA Coats. Cool. Well, we're going to link both of those uh, IG accounts there. Um, but as we close up here, um, give us a, uh, an elevator pitch for for Dino Beast, uh, you know the the property, the series, and and what we can expect in this Kickstarter for for Volume Three. Yeah, so uh, our hero Komodo is uh, trying to rescue a little uh, mystic salamander princess that was kidnapped by these uh, wolf creatures and their sort of evil dinosaur allies. And so in Book Three, Komodo is uh, gained some new allies to help him on his quest. And he comes across a lot of new enemies and um, things that get in his way. And um, that's where we kind of leave it. Very cool. Um, you know, looks really cool, excited. Um, you know, anybody who's been on board, I'm sure they're, they're excited for three, but anybody else who hasn't been, you know, they, they have the opportunity to go back to the beginning. Um, and catch up volumes one, two, and three. So uh, lots of great uh, comics and, and dinosaur action to, to check out here. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having us on. This was great. Oh, no Thank problem. You guys. you guys have a, you guys have an open invite, you know, uh, down the road, volume four, let us know. We, we, we can do this again. Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. We talk brushes and, and types <laughs> of paper, get real nerdy with it. <laughs> Johnny oh, Quest and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> cool. So I'd like to thank everybody for listening. If you could give us a rating and review on the podcasting service you use, we really appreciate it. If you want to follow the podcast or on social media, Twitter is at ConstructComPod, Instagram is Constructing Comics Pod, and Facebook is Constructing Comics. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Please be safe. Be nice to each other and go out there and make some comics. Thank you.